Welcome everyone to the 24th episode of the New Gen Mindset Podcast. I'm Dan Cozell with Nick Tartaglia. What's up, Nick? What's up? It's uh, it's getting colder and colder by the second. I, I swear to God, this year, it's been the fastest transitioning year of just everything going on. Just one thing to the next. Just summer's gone. Cold is already here. Elections coming, economic crisis, all-time high in the stock market, political debates left and right. It's um, it's very uh, it, things are twenty twenty keeps you on your toes. It's good. It, it definitely does, and I think that uh, for the <laughs> listeners who don't understand what Nick is really talking about with the cold, um, Montreal is very volatile with weather. <laughs> so uh, we 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 get like one day of like thirty two degrees, and then the next day it's like. 10 degrees Celsius. So we just got to adapt. That's what we are. We're humans and we just got to move forward with that. But um, to say that 2020 has been nothing short of surprising, um, I don't mean to talk about politics. We're going to talk about real estate today yeah, uh, because this has been the really big sector that has been getting a lot of attention. Uh, <laughs> the amount of influx in that particular space has been absolutely insane, both in Canada and the U.S. But uh, there was some big political news last uh, this week uh, with the passing of a very important uh, Supreme Court justice yeah. um, that is sending shockwaves throughout the entire political sphere uh, and is now the centerpiece of this U.S. Oh, but, election. Yeah, uh, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away, uh, I think it was Friday night, and um, the president has a constitutional obligation or duty, I should say, to fill that seat. And it's chaos right now. So keep that in your back pocket because this is an election year. There is a risk to the market that's going to cause some sort of volatility. We're seeing the market kind of like still in price discovery mode. I mean, we. Yeah, right now it's like consolidation a bit, trying to figure out exactly where do I go from here. Yeah, and the market too is not at an all time high, which is actually a healthy thing when you look at it because you, do, you don't want the stock market to continue to go up parabolically. So to say that September has been the worst month since March, that's actually a good thing. We've had five consecutive months of green months. So yeah. um, it, it's okay to take a break. But again, the, that election is on the horizon. That's got the attention of everybody at this point. The one sector that has been off the charts, bonkers, yeah. uh, surprising everybody uh, is real estate. Mm-hmm. Um, you look at the home builders, you look at the interest rates, you look at the mortgage application, exactly. both Canada and the US. This is, if you are a real estate agent right now and you're not making more than, let's say a million dollars, if you have your real estate license, if you're not selling like a madman, you're missing out because um, in Canada, um, home resale set a record. Um, July, particularly, six point two percent increase. I think a heavily component of that is because of the low interest rates. People are seeing it as a bargain. You know, I don't have to pay. That's an extra two percent that I don't have to pay for. But it's a short-term outlook. It's not a long-term outlook, and that just means that you're paying at a. You're gonna pay the full price of the asset. It, it's not. It's not that white and black when, oh, low interest rates, it means go buy real estate. You know, there's so many more factors to take into, into account. It's, it's, uh, it's crazy. It literally is the market. Real estate is on fire. It doesn't, I really think that one of the biggest components of that is because of the low interest and because for three months, almost nobody was buying anything. So it kind of got all moved over into the, pre- 
it's called pent up demand, right? Exactly. So it kind of built up and then boom, interest rates not only are low, plus everybody's been waiting to buy and boom. It, I, I've got buddies in real estate. They said they're having the best year ever. So I'm, I'm not even surprised. Um, the influx of sellers actually helped unlock sort of this pent up demand. Um, if we look at basically the major cities in Canada, we'll talk Vancouver, Toronto, Ottawa. I don't know why Ottawa is there, but Ottawa is having a crazy year as well. Montreal too. Um, there's the, the resale market is insane. Um, an average between these four major cities, these five major cities ranges anywhere between 38 and 33.5% year over year change. That is insane. Uh, and new listings uh, are actually up as well. Um, Toronto seeing the biggest new listings with about 56.8%. So of I mean, course, Toronto. <laughs> it's, and these are, this is August and July data. Real estate, unfortunately, is a lagging indicator. So you don't really get to see how effective uh, or what the damage is until later on. Uh, but this is sort of a pent up demand, like we had said. Uh, and there's a lot of sellers who we don't know why they're selling. They could be fearful that the stock market is going to crash. They could be fearful that there's other things happening. There's, there's also a lot this- of, there's a lot of economic fear underlying all these things, you know, and usually, usually you people, you people have to realize that usually the asset classes are supported by fundamentals of economic principles. When the economy is shaky, but everything else is doing very well. It's like, kind of like, if you're looking at, um, if you're looking at a graph, it's like that gap that's being created has to fill, which means it has to come down. If I would have, rep- if I would have kind of used some technical references on that one, you know, it just, it, there's a huge gap occurring right now. And it's like, it has to come like, it just, unless the economy finds a way to shift and support that, that momentum, which uh, an economy can't just shift like that. It takes gradual time. It can't shift negatively just like that. Like it did with COVID. And that's been triggering all kinds of negative consequences that you've been finding left and right. But yet real estate and the stock market have become their own little machine. You know, the Fed supporting the stock market, people being oblivious to the reality of the economy and so on, and simply just saying, you know what? Everything seems to be normal short-term. Right now, day-to-day, interest rates are low. Let me go buy. I think the other thing too, and what you're most likely referring to, Nick, is um, the sales to new listings ratio. Um, I'm looking at it here. It needs to come down. Um, this is a seller's market, which is good for a seller. I mean, you're getting pretty much way above what market value potentially could be. But, but I it's believe- finite, right? It, it doesn't. It can't. It, does, list, it can't. It can't exist forever. That mark. That type of market. Correct. And this is when, even on a regular chart like this, when something goes up so quickly, um, it usually has to retrace back at some point. Um, so the key is to really be patient at this time. Yeah. Usually um, you need the you need a good supply of demand and a good supply and you get and you need a good amount of, of uh, demand. But the thing is, the the demand eventually is going to kind of dry out. So all the everybody left over, usually it's boomers that try to sell a lot of their own stuff. Well, the ones that want to sell, either if there's nobody, the prices have to come down because there's very few people to purchase, or they're going to get stuck. But eventually, guess what? A lot of the boomers, there's going to be a transitional period where a lot of the real estate that's owned by boomers is going to have to transition over into new generations. And it's either going to occur through selling or through uh, asset transition, uh, state transitions. 
there's a, I'm, I'm very, very pessimistic in that sense, in the sense that when that transition, primary transition occurs, there's going to be something huge going on because a lot of our generation will not be able to afford a lot of the prices of the real estate at the top, at the top because at the top level, a lot of people are holding on to it. People are trying to bargain in the lower ranges, the 300, 400, 500, 600,000 range, but the 800 to a million plus, those ones are being held on to. But when you liquidate that, first off, there's not many people that can afford it. So when all those prices are going to, all those places are going to come liquidating, well, your prices are going to have to come down because the demand is not there for all those places. And they're held primarily by mostly boomers. So I find there's a huge gap. There's a lot of variables that are not connecting for that transition to occur smoothly to maintain those prices at that level. Correct. And I think this is where the fear of a potential real estate crash is actually on the horizon later uh, into or early into next year. Um, the question now becomes, okay, how sustainable is this rally? Uh, and again, we know what's really driving it. Uh, if we look at Canadian housing starts, I mean, they're up 9.2% uh, in August, the, the home, the home price index too. We're seeing prices go up way too fast. Um, People- if you're, if you're a seller, this is, this is the dream. Yeah. You've been holding on to a piece of real estate. Now's probably a good time to sell. Uh, yeah. If you're a buyer though, I would be careful because this is, you know, don't at what point of your, your, your thesis are you entering and how long do you plan on holding this for to offset all the short and medium term consequences that might occur in the economy? Right. That's- and I find this is where the education becomes so critical. And what do I mean by this? A lot of people are brought up thinking that, hey, you got to take a mortgage out, even though you don't have enough you know, income coming in and you just got to buy a house, right? Or buy a home, buy an apartment. Problem with that. And again, this is just my theory uh, and understanding of other people who have been doing real estate for quite some time uh, is that once you buy a house or an apartment, you're most likely to take on a mortgage. You're kind of locked into that mortgage, right? So first time home buyers create are created this incentive, this tax advantage, which I don't necessarily agree with, especially in Canada. Um, that you need to buy a house, you need to buy an apartment, you need to take out a mortgage, but then you need to sit on it. To me, that is speculation, right? To me, that is, that, that, is, that is you saying, oh, real estate prices are going to continue to go up, continue to go up. It always does, which historically shows that that is the case. But, but they me, also have cycles just like everything else. Right. But here's the problem. When you have a mortgage that you've locked in, let's say you take out like a 25-year mortgage, right? Or, and you take it out for 10 years, whatever it is. Um, that's opportunity cost, right? That is an opportunity cost. That's 10 years of your life potentially that you're giving up, right? While you're sitting on this asset, hoping for the price to go up, right? Mm -hmm. So this is the difference between people that understand, okay, what is an investment property versus what is an actual property, right? And I find that this is where the education um, still has a long way to go because I feel like society is just brainwashed into believing that everybody should take out a mortgage to buy a property. I don't agree with that. I think if you're going to buy a property, that property better produce some form of cash flow. So you better rent it out. And to me, it's just like, I would rather rent where I'm living right now. You know, Um, it was basically think of it back then, the back then it was always about owning a property. That was the that was the American dream. That was the North American dream. That was the Western style of things is owning your own house was your dream. 
So contextualizing it from the past, I understand their place, but you know, it's a new world. It's a new age, new economics, new finance, new reality, new data, new variables left and right. So what applied to the past does not necessarily mean it applies anymore to the future. It was back then it was a way for people to start building their financial assets. People that really have access to stock market like they did now. So back then, one of the primary ways was either you bought jewelry, gold, stuff like that, tangibles, or you bought real estate. And that was your primary way to save and then liquidate for your retirement or to live for free, basically in a way with a little bit of pension money coming through to cover your costs. Right. There was no, there was no urgency. I don't think for people to say, Hey, let me go out and create another income stream. Right. At all. so to me, and, and this is where, you know, this is the psychology, like we say, that could potentially be driving people to say, oh, real estate is down right now. I got to buy. Interest rates are low. Yes. Agreed. But are you buying your property for the right reason? Are you no. buying it just to live in it, which is, I personally think is the wrong reason. Are you buying it as an investment to generate some form of cash flow? It's always the question that always the question I go to is in the numbers. Do the numbers support whatever it is you're trying to do? Correct. In the case, look, if for some, some people, I always say, if you're going to go out and you're going to rent an apartment for a thousand dollars, but you can buy a condo and all in, it'll cost you a thousand dollars. Okay. You know what? Buying would not be a bad idea because at least 80% of your cost goes right back into your own equity. And then you can pull it up later on your own. But if you're going to pay a thousand dollars and you can get, you see what I mean? Like there's, there's, there's a comparable scenario where it can make sense to buy something. If you're already spending that kind of money to live on your own or outside, if you could just transition your cost to become a, a capital that goes towards equity instead, that it's like a forced savings. You end up getting it later rather than just entirely spending the thousand dollars, $800 of it will go towards your own equity and it builds your equity in that sense. And I kind of get it. It builds your asset, but a lot of people don't think of it that way. And a lot of people they'll go, they'll buy something and then their margins are squeezed. They have nothing else they buy. And then they have an extra, maybe uh, collectively two people, $500 or a thousand dollars extra. And most of that goes towards things they want to buy and going out. So their margins are squeezed because they buy real estate. And you have to take into account liquidity because if you have to fix something, you have to pay taxes. You, you, there's so many things to account I, for. I like what you did there, though. You said your margins, right? People need to start thinking of themselves as an actual business. Of course, always as right? a business. You, you got to think of your, your, your personal finances as a business. And I find you, if you start thinking like that, you'll actually start looking at real estate very differently. Of course. Right? You now, look at again, everything different. Yeah. So, it, I, I, again, I'm looking at the data here for, for Canada. Um, Vancouver prices have pretty much crashed, but they're recovering now. Uh, <laughs> Calgary, Alberta, unfortunately, that province is an absolute mess. Um, the oil. Because they're so energy dependent yeah. and because of oil the whole constantly. chaos that's happened. Yeah. Um, it, it's just Calgary is... Calgary's in a micro depression, I think. And I, I really, really hope we can get out of that. And the issue... Think of it this way. Going forward, as we know, oils and Canada is a big... Comp- component is oil. And if later on oil becomes something obsolete or very minute in the sense of how we use it on a global scale for our, for our civilization, Canada screwed, Alberta screwed, like all those jobs are gone. They have to find a way to start transitioning that period. And that's where the leader, this is where the political system has to start opening up its eyeballs and thinking long-term and start start thinking forward. Not short-term. Yeah. How do we start ensuring that our people have 
jobs moving forward in a system that must be innovative. If the, if the capital landscape and the way people consume is innovative by nature, okay, it's always about progressive, improving, becoming more symbiotic with nature, uh, becoming more social responsible, all those things. Why does the government not emulate those exact desires in order to ensure that in 20 years where the political system is, is aligned with where the demands are of the economy and of the people. If they don't do that, there's going to be a huge issue because the political system has a lot of impact on where the, eco- the economy ends up because they regulate it. They provide barriers, trade, all these things. They make it, they make it either easier or more hard or harder to facilitate the objective we're trying to accomplish. I think your dog wants to get rid of the government too, right? (laughs) He's okay. He's a cute dog. Uh, But no, you're right. I mean, it's all linked at the end of the day. And um, you've got, you know, the the job creation is what's going to drive the real estate market. Um, Of course. And wages increasing. but, But because we are in such a seller's market, the entire hype is sort of driven around prices. So people are actually blinded by the fact that, okay, what is the actual value of the property rather than just saying, Hey, let me just pay the price. Like I want to, I want to do a comparable just from the people understand in terms of like, let's say a PE multiple. Okay. So when you buy a stock, for example, that's way, way, way overvalued, what happens is the price either stagnates or comes down because at eventually a certain point, people are going to be like, it doesn't make sense to buy it anymore because at that point I would need a very, very special type of person to continue to buy at that price. Whereas when you buy what prices are reasonable and make sense and are supported by fundamental numbers, well, then a lot more, there's a lot more demand for that price, which means it becomes much more liquid as a result. If prices keep raising for real estate nonstop, there's an issue people don't realize in the economy is a lot of wages, uh, prices for real estate go up, but wages have not been going up. Okay. So what's happening is you're stagnating on wages, real estate keeps going up and there's a massive gap being created between those two factors. Eventually prices cannot just keep sustaining itself or else the bank is going to be like, well, even if you put 5% down, which is a shitload of money at that point, you still have a problem because it's probably most of your money is going towards your real estate. You have no positive cash flow, which means you're not flexible, which is dangerous to not be flexible as a financial business. Opportunity cost, right? Yeah, it's that. As a business, as an individual, you want to be flexible. Flexibility provides you, allows you to be more uh, opportunistic with variables. Mobile too, right? Yeah, exactly. Opportunistic, mobile. It allows you to just be Make better decisions overall financially. Zeus is howling. What's up, Zeus? Who are you howling at? He, I think he agrees with you. I think, but he's also just upset that you know our government is not really caring about. So the that's whole it. There's a huge gap occurring crisis. between the real estate and the wages. That if you buy something at a million dollars, guys, prices for prices to keep being pushed upwards, you need more volume and more people buying at those prices. If people are not no. going to buy. Not, not, but also not a select handful of people that have massive pockets too. Exactly, that's what but that's also what... drives prices up, right? But now, exactly. the que- now, 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 the question I would always ask a real estate agent to whether or not see whether they actually understand their own market. Which many don't. It's like financial advisors. Like financial advisors. Just because I'm there and I have a license, if you start asking the economic, the numbers component of things and the forward-looking component of the market, it's an asset class. They don't know what they're doing. They're just there to sell. Oh, I know how to make it pretty. I know how to do the paperwork. Here you go. Take it over. So, so we won't bash on anybody today because <laughs> that's not what we're here to do. We're here to inform some people. But um, 
No, it's true. I think the most important question that people need to ask a real estate agent is when they say, how did you come up with the property value? How did you come up with the price of this? How did the seller come up with this price? I mean, if they how do you, start, how do you, how how do you see you, the market going? How, how do you see the market going to, but how did you come up with this particular price? I'm going to tell you right now, I think 90% of real estate agents or brokers, whatever you want to call them, are looking at prices from a comparable standpoint. Yes, within what the they do. Everyone says, well, yeah, that's how they've been doing it for, for ages. I'm like, yeah, but that by definition right there is speculation. Yeah. Okay. And it's crazy. Think of it just to give a context, just to give that more context. Okay. Look at the stock market. When we do comparables, it's, it's, it's a comparable within a standard industry. But as a result, when we know that an industry becomes way overvalued, even though the comparables are similar, we still know not to touch it. Yeah. Right. If all tech goes to hundred PE, it doesn't mean, oh, okay, that's the new norm, officially buy. No, no, it means that's ridiculous. Let's go look at other things to buy instead. We're not touching you anymore. Right, and I think the other 10%, if you ask them, say, how did you come up with this? What's the cash flow for the property? I think that's the best way to value real estate. Now, here's the other challenge too, and this is particularly unique to Montreal right now, um, our hometown. Real estate prices hit a rock bottom uh, in 2013. You and I probably were just starting university at the time, but I remember this yeah, very well. Yeah, yep, yep. There is a location in Montreal that was completely abandoned for decades, a bunch of warehouses. Fast forward to 2020. This is the hottest place in the city. They're building condos there left and right. Griffintown. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, the Sudwest. There's just condos everywhere. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, the fact that they're just selling these things to people that no offense, just maybe don't necessarily understand how price action works, how real estate works. Again, everybody, just price. Just price. price. Exactly. How price. It, it doesn't even have to be how real estate itself works. It's just price. There is a chart here, and this is from RBC's real estate report. It's a focus on Canadian housing. Every other city has sort of a flat line, steady growth home to price index. If you go down to the last chart, it's Montreal. It is a para, is par, parabolic. It's Tesla. It went Tesla. It went <laughs> Tesla. So I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, I'm looking at this right now. I'm like, I would not be surprised if there's a crash in our real estate market. Guys, wages do not support continuous Nick, inflation. Nick, exactly. And Nick is talking about exactly that. The wages in our market right now do not support this growth at all. No, it doesn't. It's, it, there's going to be a point where that price, all those all the asset classes at a certain point in price are going to be like, well, shit. Because think of it, guys. You can price something on book, but if the market does not want to buy it, the price is useless. What ha it's, the market dictates the price. Sure, right now you can pass it, but eventually you're going to get to a point where nobody's going to want to buy these prices anymore because nobody will be able to. Everybody's going to want to rent. And, because and prices won't make sense. And then guess what? The people that are going to need to liquidate, they're going to start selling it at a much cheaper price because they're going to say, well, I have no choice. I need my capital. Either that or they go remortgage. Which is even worse. Yeah. That's just my personal opinion. I just think that's even worse because then you're just feeding more money to the bank. Again, I, I'm, I, you don't have to take what I just said seriously. It's just my personal opinion about mortgages and banks. If you're going to take out a mortgage, now's the time to do it, but use it for an investment property. Don't use it on a property. And you're make sure you're flexible. That. Make sure your margin is not 5%, 10%. Make sure Correct. you have enough capital to build a cushion in case you need to fix something, in case you don't have a tenant living there. Just make sure you're flexible. A lot of people don't do the numbers and they get fucked. Yeah, 100%. So, I mean, look, 
the this has been the craziest rally in real estate um, that we've I think we've seen since probably early 2006 before the entire system collapsed. Um, and we give, you know, we forgot also, we forgot the United States to give some, well, uh, it's a good segue. Cause I was actually just going to segue right into that. The U S <laughs> the U S meanwhile, it's the same thing. I mean, the housing starts in the U S are incredible as well. Um, since April, um, it, it's gone from 934,000 to 1.42 million. And now it's kind of stabilizing at this front, whether or not it's going to go down is yet to be determined, but I think it's clear the U.S. market right now for housing, um, I mean, it's, it's, it's also the same thing. Now, here's the problem in the U.S. or the challenge, we'll say. It's not necessarily a problem, but the challenge. One, election. Everyone's freaking out. Everyone's got all this bipartisan stuff happening. Of course. Two, New York is a perfect example as to we're, why. We're going to talk about New York. But yeah. two, we have leadership in various states, which unfortunately... Um, and again, I don't want to get political, but this is just me looking at it objectively, um, who have not done a good job of maintaining peace in their own cities. Of course. And what this <laughs> has done- How would I pay a million dollars to live in a city that's chaotic? And, and what, it, what this has done is this has actually created an influx of people moving to suburbans, mm-hmm. to, 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 to the suburbs, suburb, excuse me. And people just moving out of their home state. Yeah. Businessmen are, are looking to move out of democratic states or cities to move into Republican cities and states because it's less chaotic, better regulation, well, less regulations, less taxes. And again, you could, you could call this politics or not. This is just the, the, the numbers are there. Florida is experiencing about a thousand new people every single week moving there permanently. Yeah. Look at Tesla. What did Elon Musk said? I'm moving out of Cali. So exactly. Even businesses are just like, we do not want to move. We don't want to move into states that are paying high taxes. Guys, this is, this is where people don't realize it, realize the ripple effects and, and the trade-off of things. Business people, entrepreneurs, they're the ones who create the jobs. These guys, where they go, the density of these people is what dictates the populace's, um, workforce or how many people get to work or so on. And the more people that work, the more wages go up. This, the more people are there to compete, the more assets go up, whatever the case may be, the, the better the taxes, the more wages go up. If you look at states, let's say for New York, for example, where people, where you have a lot of millionaires, wealthy people leaving, business people leaving. Guess I mean, what? it's nuts. It's nuts. They're the pinnacle of prices in that market. What happens when the pinnacle of prices start collapsing? Everything beneath it collapses. It's just by nature. When you guys don't see the consequences of what political decisions or political outcomes have for businesses and entrepreneurs and asset classes, that's where people are going to get screwed later on for looking because they're going to get, they're going to get slapped. They're going to get so surprised at what's going on, but it's going to be like, well, if you followed the data, if you followed the economy, if you followed how people behave according to asset classes, you would have seen this coming. New York is facing a huge period. They have what? Over 15,000 vacancies. They have wealthy people leaving. They have businesses moving out of the way. Same thing with California. There's businesses that are leaving and vacancies at all kinds. There's an issue with that because the people have to pay out of their pocket. People have to go borrow more money. People are just cycling their debt now and they're not cash flow positive. You're looking at trickle effect of a dangerous game. And Canada is tool in La La Land. It's like people don't realize we're not far behind in terms of having this realistic shock in our, in our own country over here. 
because we haven't felt it to our core yet. It's true because, and I was having this conversation with somebody last week, like we're talking about obviously the election and and, and the markets and stuff. He called me, we were talking and I'm like, I told him, I'm like, people need to, people in Canada need to understand the implications of everything that's going on in the States. Right. It's the most important economy to us. It's just, it's just like, we're, we're neighbors. Okay. Like, (laughs) I don't, I don't know how else to explain it. You know, someone, someone even told me, they're like, they're like, Dan, why do you care about what happens in the U S why do you care about the whole, you know, political race? I'm just like, dude, it's all linked. Okay. Or Whatever Montreal cannot be Montreal. Toronto cannot be Toronto without wall street. I agreed. <laughs> like well, Toronto Bay street, which is number two to wall street in North America cannot be itself. If wall street is not a thing. <laughs> and, and then the TMX can't be, the TMX without the TSX. Anyway, we're, no, veering, it's like- we're veering off into another topic here, but I think the point is really clear that um, the, the U.S. is experiencing a, a major housing boom as well, um, but it's causing a big gap between fundamentals yeah. that are fundamentally punishing people for just living there in the middle of a health crisis, mm-hmm. which is beyond insane. Um, so, I mean, you know, you Think of it the- this way here. I just want to give a context to the taxes, okay? Because obviously we know that the Democrats are all about taxing more, taxing more, taxing more. I'm not going to get into the whole political conversation of right or wrong. Let's just go into the specifics. These are facts. These are yeah. facts. Let's just go to the specifics in terms of what the consequence of that is in terms of real estate and asset classes. Because when people get taxed more, like a business, your margins get squeezed. When your margins get squeezed, you have less money to spend. You have less money to spend. You have less money to allocate to things you want. That is a consequence that is felt on real estate. Okay. It's as simple as that. Like, I don't even have to go further than that. It's just that. That is the trail from that to that to that. People have less money because they're taxed more. If people have less money, people will spend less. People also spend less money towards asset classes. The rich have lost less money to bring. uh, uh, The people that pay a million, that pay all the, for the expensive real estate, if they sustain that market, everything beneath it can keep inflating upwards. And then they bring people towards them within their ecosystem, their jobs, their companies. They, they create these wealthy people and entrepreneurs and business. They create an ecosystem. Wherever their ecosystem is, you want to be there. If they leave, well, they're leaving with their ecosystem. What? Then you want the government to start creating jobs, but they can't create jobs out of thin air. They need businesses to create jobs. If they don't have business creating jobs, the people within those areas are screwed. Price is going to collapse. So New York is facing, a, and New York is not only that, but New York also has problems with their debt. They're looking to borrow money from the government. Their transit system is about to collapse because they can't pay for it properly. Like New York City could collapse. New, New, New York um, is on the verge of possibly. It's a democratic, you guys, it's a democratic state. Uh, it, and again, that's a fact. We're not yeah. being political, but. It's just, it's not to make an, it's not to make a statement. It's just so you guys, no matter what you talk, just Keep the correlation in your mind of where the, where the government is in terms of which state, where the, how they're regulating those states, and how people behave and entrepreneurs behave according to those regulations and to those states which are impacted by the political system. It's just a big spider web. That's why I highlight that it's a democratic place. So is California, which is where Tesla was. And Tesla, what Elon Musk said, I'm leaving. I'm going to Texas. I mean, even Joe Rogan got up and left. Exactly. Talk, talking about entrepreneurship too. Um, and I'm sure here, here's the beauty about real estate though. Um, anytime there's an influx of people, um, that whole market just starts taking over. Um, yep. There's a lot of activity happening in, ta- in states that obviously have no taxes. Um, Nevada mm-hmm. is 
Nevada, for some reason, has been really quiet. But again, we're talking about Texas. Texas, yeah. Tennessee apparently is seeing an influx. Florida. Yeah. Uh, these are states that do not have any state tax, which gives the pe- power back to the people. Yeah, you get to keep your capital. And, and, and you the get beauty to about it is if it. you're if you're a long-term real estate investor, I mean, if you've got like, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars, I mean, good for you. I mean, that that is the dream to just buy like a massive property that's got like 750 units or whatever. This is the time to do it. But I think what you had said with the wage gaps, both in Canada and the US, but particularly in the US, uh, the wage gap and the amount of debt that's in the system and the fact that prices are continuing to rise in various locations, Mm -hmm. there is probably going to be some form of a correction in the real estate market. Not to mention the fact that unemployment the other big thing that nobody's really mentioning right now, um, unemployment, there's, there's permanent unemployment on the horizon, which mm-hmm. means that there's going to be a lot of people that are going to have to sell their house and God forbid, you know, live on the street, but it, it's going to cause a shock. So, you know, you know why this is funny? This is ironic because if you look at, um, if you look at the great depression, Milton Friedman talks a lot about this. So he, Milton Friedman was a... Uh, Not a bad time to study that, by the way, right? No. This time. So, yeah. So he, Milton Friedman was a uh, Nobel Prize winner in uh, economic sciences, was, a, was someone who was part of the Hoover Institute at uh, Stanford University. And he talks a lot about how his stu- in his data and how he analyzed things along with his peers. And he's supported by also uh, Thomas Sowell, another very well-respected individual at the Hoover Institute about how the Great Depression was caused by a terrible money, uh, monetary policy by the Fed in which it oversupplied the market. Things could not move accordingly and eventually collapsed and caused one of the greatest depressions. This is a scenario where I see similar, uh, a similar thing going on where the government is working too closely with the Fed and the Fed is getting itself way too involved in that it's allowing a bubble to continue to inflate artificially without real fundamental support that eventually it has to collapse. It just cannot continue to be sustained. Not sustainable. Wages don't move over. Taxes keep going up. You can, if you want people to have more money to do more things with themselves, stop taxing. But yet they keep taxing. And the irony is, well, you need to give the government money. Okay, but the argument would be then, if the government is so good with our money, what has it fixed? It never fixed anything. So it, the argument cannot be give it more if it never solves anything. That means that the problem is how it, the, the, the financial governance component of the government system is flawed to begin with. Giving it more money does not solve anything. And yet, do you guys realize that when inflation occurs in the economy, by default, every year, we're technically having to give more and more tax because everything inflates by price, which means that we pay more taxes on everything as a consequence. The government gets more money purely through inflation. Like, you get what I'm saying? It's it's been a never-endless cycle of more money for the government, but yet they don't solve anything. So giving them more money does not solve anything. This is why we have to pay attention more to the political system, to the tax system, to how the things intertwine. Because like, I'm being very pessimistic. I don't like what's going on overall. Like I'm, I want to be I, liquid. I don't, think, I don't think you're very pessimistic. I think you're looking at it very objectively, looking at a very yes. realistic situation. Because but compared people, to the rest, I'm very pessimistic. Right. But, but, but what people need to realize too is you're right. The Fed, the Fed has a lot of control in this market. Um, I don't personally like that 
Um, if you're a stock trader, I mean, you're loving this. The Fed has just been juicing up the market, but um, it's artificial. At some, I, I, exactly. At some point, this this thing will come down. It has um, to cycle. Everything cycles. The, Nothing is infinite. And, I, and I'll explain why. And, and people are like, well, why are you guys talking about the market now? I'm like, because it's linked to real estate. This yeah. is very much very linked to real estate. Yep. Yep, the yep, Fed's yep, balance sheet yep. in the U.S., okay, I think they spent about $6 trillion, which is like insane. <laughs> $1.3 $1. of that, one, I'm going to repeat that, $1.3 of that, maybe more, but it's around 30%, okay, um, is mortgage-backed securities. Mm. It's crazy. Why? Because, and, they, and, because well, hold on, hold on. Let me, let, me, yeah. Yeah, let, me, let me just finish my thought go, here. Go, 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 go. When I, when I see the word mortgage-backed securities, I, I, the first thing that comes to mind is, okay, 2008, what happened? Same thing, right? But now you have the Fed buying this up, which means that they are buying a collection of mortgages, which are packaged into these you know, derivatives, we'll call them, very complicated uh, security, uh, products, yeah. security instruments. Um, that is literally forcing every single homeowner to basically refinance their mortgage, right? Um, cut their loan payments in half, but it's also pushing the real estate market higher. You know, how, how is this sustainable when people are just saying, I'm just going to buy it because I think it's going to go up. The people that are doing that are going to get destroyed. No, like I'm, I'm, I'm just being, I don't want to sound, I, I do not want to sound like a cynic. I do not want to sound like I'm just like, okay, hey, I'm wishing pain upon anyone. But the reason why those people are, are going to get knocked out is because they're not aware of this situation that's going on with the Fed. No. It is any, so... Any of the variables so, aren't aware of. It, but the Fed specifically, it is so important to understand that even though interest rates are going to be at 0% and the Fed pretty much owns about 30% of these mortgage-backed securities, that this is not sustainable. No. Guys, the look. Only, the only way that you could sustain this shock that is probably going to come maybe next year, maybe in 2022, whatever, it's coming. But the only way that you could sustain the shock is if you have a cash flow, if you have a property that produces. Or you let, or you stop, stop taxing so much. Flow. Allow people or, or to keep that, more yeah. money. Because this way, if you allow people to keep more of the money, then what you do is you help, you help fundamentally support the prices because more people have more capital now to be more flexible. But the thing is, the government will never do that. So that's not, a, that's not a plausible outcome. I mean, for them to do that would be very regressive by nature by the government, which would be a healthy thing if they did that, but they won't. So that's an issue, and which is why you see a lot of them moving to those different states. Think of it. In places where you pay less taxes, you can pay your people more money also. Because yeah, the business, they, because the business has more money. Yeah, you know, the have, business they, has more money. You could, it, it's, but here's another thing, guys. When you look at this, real estate is heavily supported by, the, by your middle class, okay? Western culture is like a diamond shape. You have a few at the bottom, a few at the top, and a lot in the middle, okay? The, a lot in the middle is the primary all have real estate. These prices keep going up for the middle class. They keep going up, keep going up. But when you look at wages of the middle class, they don't go up. They don't go up. They're stagnate. That's a huge gap that gets created. If the, if the middle class is what supports the real estate market in North America, if they don't keep getting more money, eventually they're not going to be able to support the price at a given point because they won't have the 5% to put down anymore. So what the bank's going to do is say, okay, you can give less money, which would be then even more ridiculous if they did that, 
or the market comes collapsing and then eventually they can put down the 5% again. But there's a stagnation in wages and there's a continuous inflation of prices. You cannot support a continuous inflation when you have no inflation of wages for the middle class to support those prices. It does not exist. So what do you want me to say? It, it's, and, and this is where this is where the Fed needs to, and I'm sure they know it. I'm sure the Fed knows it. Like we're not we're not downplaying their professionalism at all. These guys are professional. They're still but, needed. We still but, need but, them, but they need to play the game a little different sometimes. I, I I think they're doing everything that they can in the short term. Yeah, I it's think very short term. This is this is a short term fix. Yeah, right. The like, question like, is like right before the Great Depression. Same thing. The, the, the question now becomes, okay, how do we get out of this without getting all politically fueled um, and, and trying to get people back on the right track? Because um, the only, again, the only way that people who own real estate are going to withstand this is if they can, if, it, if, if, if they, they have a cash flowing property that is being filled by tenants. Okay. That's honestly the only way. And the other way too, is to have a well-diversified pool of units as well. If you have Here, the capital for that, you could definitely do it. Here's another variable we, 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 I, that I completely forgot to account for, okay? Because of, because of the low interest, because of the, all the money printing, guess what? We now have inflation and we have now uh, monetary inflation. So inflation is going to occur and we'd have no idea what they're going to hold it at for the next five years. So let's say the next five years. Guess what? That means cost of living is going to keep going up. So guess what? You're not only paying more for the biggest asset class, you're also paying more for your, for your living your margins are going to keep getting squeezed and squeezed and squeezed tinier and tinier and tinier wage is not going up. So your margins are getting squeezed at an exponential rate. Like how, what kind of free cash flow? what kind of business are you? If you just keep operating in a way that your margins keep getting squeezed and you keep overpaying for things as a business principle, that's terrible. I would not invest in you if that's how you operate. <laughs> anyway, I think again, Positive right now is that the real estate market is booming, but um, whether or not it's going to sustain over the course of the next, I would say 18 to 36 months is yet to be determined. Um, but the fact that the Fed is buying all of these assets, um, even the Bank of Canada too, I think bank, I don't know what the specifics for the Bank of Canada were. I think they're probably buying mortgage-backed securities as well because they really don't have a choice at this point. Um, this is something that's going to be talked about. And I don't want to scare people. I don't want people to freak out when it does happen. But if there is another crash, um, I really think it's going to be in the housing market. Yep. Um, again, I'm speculating here. Guys, but, you have, there's so many things that are going against it. But it's like, it's, it, it, if you were to, you know, like a lot of, when you do an investment thesis, a lot of the time it's about my odds. What are my probabilities? Okay. In my highly, in my, am I looking at a highly probable scenario or a, a low probable scenario? Low probable scenarios and high probable scenarios are dictated by your variables when you study them. Is there a gap? What does it say? No, 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 all your fundamentals. In this scenario, a lot of variables are, are supporting a high probability of there being an economic and real estate issue. Not that there will be, who knows, but the evidence and the, the data and the analysts and the pros, they all support a highly probable outlook that is not very good. Whereas everybody else supports the low probable scenario, which tends to be the middle-class people. They all support the low. It's a crazy time. I mean, just everything is, I mean, there's, there's honestly no words. It's chaos. To it. it's, everything is disconnected. The, and, and 
here's here's the thing, and I'll, I think we'll leave it at this. But uh, you know, when people say the well, the 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 poor get poorer, the rich get richer. The rich get richer because they've done a lot of risk. They've taken on a lot of risk early that on. Statement in their is careers. fifty. That statement is fifty percent wrong. If you look it, at data, it, it, yeah. it, exactly. But the the people that are at the top or the people that are really rich, they've taken risks in their life. Of you course, know. that's why they get paid so well. That's if you why don't they take risks. Why the hell should you get paid well? It, it, exactly. So these people have capital ready to roll. When you have cash, the crisis is the best time to put that to work. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're part of that other fifty percent that says no, the system is rigged. Yada yada yada. I have a quick. There's, I have a yeah. quick question. I have a quick question for those people. Okay. <laughs> What could you do between now and the end of the year to maybe help one or two people and get paid for it? Mm-hmm. On value. The basic, Again, the basic principle, the basic principle of economic philosophy is this add value to the community and they will provide you with value back. It's about equivalent exchange. How do you add value so you can get something in return for it? A community cannot exist where one does nothing and everyone else does everything. It does not work that way. A community must be everybody does its own fair part and they get to reap the benefit of whatever effort they put into it. Now to add on to what Dan, you just said right now, here's another question for you guys. How is it that most wealth created in the last 20 years or since the dot-com boom, It has out, way overblown any wealth from the past. There is more wealth that's been created in the last 20, 30 years than ever, ever before in history. There is more middle class than ever before in history. Remember, it's a diamond shape. There are more people from poor that came to middle class than people from middle class that went to poor. We have elevated a populace and a, and a, econo- and a status of people like never before. So if anybody says the poor get poor, it's not true. You have to look at the context of the variables that allow that scenario to come true. Which areas are becoming poorer and poorer? Are there businesses? How is the government impacting those areas? All those factors are a huge component. Some areas get poorer and poorer, but most places have become wealthier and wealthier. So it's a very, very false statement. It's 50% true. The rich do keep getting richer because they have money and they think like a business. The poor, guess what? Most of them have gained money. The poor do not make up 50% of the populace. More than 50% of the populace is made up of middle class. Therefore, the, pop, the system is not made up of poor people. It's made up of middle class people. It's a diamond shape, North America. Diamond shape. A lot of people middle class, a bit at the top, and a bit at the bottom. Economic data. Just look at economic, Just, economic yeah. data. So, look, I think, again, real estate is the backbone of... North America, it's I mean, Canada, of middle class, cat, cat, Canada and the U S I mean, this is the backbone of the economy. Um, you people need places to live. There's no question. It's also the best investment to have, uh, when you do have, you know, well diversified mix of cash flow from, from, from your units. Um, I'm not against buying real estate. I don't think you should be, um, but you got to buy it for the right purpose. Exactly. And again, you know, what, you what, are. what, what we're seeing, what we're seeing in this boom to me, personally. And I think just looking at the data is just a lot of price fixing. Yep. Um, and that over the long term could actually be pretty detrimental uh, for people who have been owning real estate, assuming that, Hey, uh, I'm just going to continue to hold it while there's no cash flow coming in from this property. I'm going to continue <laughs> to pay the bank. Guys, remember one thing, the bank will always give you a mortgage. 
There's no question about that because to them, it's a safe asset. It's a real asset. They own that property, even though that you're under yeah. the assumption that you own it, right? They'll <laughs> never, never own you, it. Even if they'll, you pay it off, you still have to pay taxes every year. Exactly. And if you don't pay your taxes, you lose your property. Exactly. You never own shit in this system. Right. So what you need to do is you need to create a cash flow to support the payments for that. And I think that's the way people start thinking about buying real estate that way. And I think there is a group of people our age that are starting to think like that. But I think the majority need to start thinking like that instead of just saying, I'm just going to buy a property and sit mm -hmm. on it. Exactly. I think, I think there's like people just start thinking differently. So keep that in mind. Uh, pay attention to the fed, yeah. pay attention to the bank of Canada, because this is going to be something that could potentially cause, uh, yeah. Pay attention to how taxes change, pay attention to unemployment, may pay attention to the size of the middle class, pay attention to the issues that a middle class is facing, because if, depending on what they're facing, the middle class, that's, that tends to have big, a uh, big impact on real estate. It, it's huge. Right. So, um, yeah, I think we'll leave it with that. I was, uh, you know, we uh, talked about, we talked about a lot of stuff that was linked back to real estate mm -hmm. and looking at cap rate. We, we didn't talk about the specifics of looking at cap rates and whatnot, but um, I hope this provided everybody with something, somewhat of a macro feel uh, and what to really pay attention to going into this crazy, crazy year that we're uh, hopefully going to wrap up soon. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. But we still have a lot of things to occur. Uh, I know. It's, it's, <laughs> and, then it's it's, and then we'll see how the market reacts based on the political outcome of November. And then we'll see what happens from there. <laughs> yeah. And just one last thing. I mean, the, again, the election is on the horizon. It's, it's going to be talked about. Um, again, we, we're, we don't want to make this political or, uh, at all, but it, it, it will be talked about. Um, it is affecting sort of the macro industry. Right well. now, it is a huge, 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 huge component. Whatever, whoever gets elected is going to have a huge impact on the outcome. Like, why do you think a lot of wealthy people want to leave New York also? Because they're afraid of getting taxed more and more and yeah. more. You know, like, it's crazy, man. The people that people don't understand that the consequences and the relationship between all these variables, you know, economic policy, economic policies, governments, psychology, social dynamics, like all these things are intertwined one way or another. It, they make up this entire system we live in. It's crazy, man. It's, we're, it's we're, we're yeah, it's, it's fascinating. And that's, that's why we're here to really just talk about this and hopefully educate some people about how to be better investors. Right. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we'll leave it at that. Um, give us a follow, sign up for our newsletter on our website, newgenmindset.com. And we will see you next week. Oh, guys.